From up in the nosebleeds to down to the 50-yard line, wherever you watch the game, this is the place to sound off. Sports Talk with Jock on 770 CHQR. Well, as you probably know, sports fans, uh, the Canada Sports Hall of Fame announced 11 new members earlier today. And, and there's some big names here. Steve Nash, Laurie Kane, Eric Lamaze, Builder Sheldon Kennedy, Willie O'Ree. And, and let's not forget our good friend Diane jones Konahowski, a two-time Olympian. Of course, twice a champion at the Pan Am Games, tw- uh, once a champion at the Commonwealth Games, and Diane Jones Konahowski, who was who was born in Vancouver, raised in Saskatoon, lives right here in Calgary. She joins us tonight on Sports Talk with Jock. Hey, Diane, congratulations! Oh, thanks, Jock, and thanks for pronouncing Konahowski right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the football station, so I, I should get that one right, hopefully. Yeah, and and not uh, and and not calling me a former Olympian because I always. <laughs> I think once you're an Olympian, you're always an Olympian, right? You're I never... agree. I agree. Actually, I, w- I was named to, to three Olympic teams. I was named to Moscow, right. even though we did not uh, send a team because of the boycott. But... No, I, I, I do want to get into that a little. I do want to get into that a little bit later on because, of course, uh, we the world we're living in right now because of the, because of COVID. Uh, you know, I, I fear for our Olympic athletes. But hey, we'll save that for for a little bit later. Uh, what, what does it mean to you? Because you know, you, you're you're a member of the Order of Canada. Uh, you've been named to the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame, the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, now Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. What does it mean to you, Diane? Oh, uh, truly, yeah, I'm truly honoured and I'm really humbled. Um, very surprised when I got the call, Jock, obvi- uh, actually, because I, it's such a tough hall to get into. It really is. And uh, I sat on the selection committee for many, many, many years. And I know how difficult it is just to get nominated and then to get chosen. And I remember one of our many challenges was to not forget about the athletes and the builders from the earlier decades, right? And mm-hmm. to go back to the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s and and really pull out some names and look at their performances and, and really try to sort of compare them to the performances that were more recent. And um, it was always, we always felt really good about, you know, pulling out a couple of athletes and builders from that era because we're never going to get caught up, <laughs> you know, if we don't go back to those ones. So um, honoured, uh, humbled, uh, surprised, and um, love love being inducted with um, the other inductees. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a great class, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. i, I got to ask you this. For, for the people that maybe don't remember you as the, as the athlete, uh, you were a pentathlete, so, you know, hurdles, high jump, shot put, long jump, uh, middle distance running. W- w- where were your strengths, Diane? What were you? You're good at everything, but what, what, what were you? What were you excelling at back in the day? Oh, you did your homework. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> impressed. <laughs> well, my event, the pentathlon, is five five events, but it changed over the course of the Olympics. Uh, in '72 and in '76, it was a two day event, which was always really brutal because it didn't matter how fit you were; you were always stiff the next day, having to come out to the track and just do two two events, right? So um, by the time, um, shortly after 76, right after 76, actually, it became a one day, which was really awesome. And the 200 meters, which was the sprint, the final sprint of the two days, became the 800 meters, which was really good for me because I was not born with any fast <laughs> muscle. 
<laughs> That's why I married a Ukrainian. <laughs> Poor John. He was injured when I caught him. Um, but uh, no, I, I was a world-class pentathlete, but I was also um, internationally ranked in high jump, long jump, and shot put as well. Okay. So there were often meets where I would go in the pentathlon plus um, one or two or three of those other events as well. So those always helped me gain the the big points within the pentathlon itself. Right, right. Uh, that that must have been a challenge when you're trying to focus on on say the pentathlon and then, you know, have to do, you know, two or three other events as well. Like, wow, talk about multi-purpose. Yeah, uh, but I I like keeping busy and you know, <laughs> you train for it and and uh, you can do it and really for me the focus was really on the pentathlon. That's where sure. my goals were, you know, to uh, to perform very well there and and the other ones were just kind of fun to go into and however it uh, uh, came out um, at the end of the day um, I was quite happy just to be a participant actually. Since you referenced it, you know, uh, a three-time Olympian, because you were named to three teams, and you were trending in the right direction. You were 10th in 1972. You were 6th in 1976. And, and your best chance to hit the podium was 1980. And, of course, those were the, the boycotted games. Uh, as an athlete, take me back to, the, to that time, and, and, and how tough was that for you as an athlete? Well, uh Oh, it was really tough, obviously, because uh, I just come off a fairly disappointing performance in Montreal, Jock. Um, I had moved to California to train for our winter, but I ended up coming to Canada every two weeks to promote the games. I was the, the coin girl. Um, and by the time I got to Montreal, um, I just had nothing left. And I really realized that, um, you know, I was really mad at myself because it was really, really realistic for me to have won a medal at those games. And I didn't. I came home with, you know, a sixth place, which is decent. So I learned from that experience, uh, knowing that two years later in Edmonton, where John and I were living, would be another pressure situation, hometown girl, you know, competing on Canadian soil, lots of pressure to to compete well. So um, Edmonton, uh, I had a wonderful games, perfect games, actually. I came out winning the gold medal, but more importantly, I ended up the day with a score that put me number one in the world. And that really confirmed to me that we were doing things right and that two years later, in Moscow, I did have a realistic chance to get on the podium. So still not trusting myself, my family and I and my coach's family, we all moved down to New Zealand for the winter. And we watched as Jimmy Carter announced a, a summer boycott of the Games, right? And we saw the athletes at the White House in early March. And I said to John, oh, I just can't even imagine what they're feeling like. Well, April 23rd or 24th, we're heading out the door and I get the call from, I believe it was Corey Elliott from CFR in Edmonton. And he said, what do you think about the decision? I said, what decision? And he said, well, Canada just announced that they're boycotting the game. Well, um, I wasn't at home. I wasn't being brainwashed by the media, what was being written and said. And so I spoke out against boycott and pretty much got raked over the coals. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of hate mail. You know, the Edmonton Eskimos um, really suffered terribly, but um, Coach Campbell stood up for me, and, you know, John got a lot of it on the field as well, which was really interesting to me because Canadians usually are pretty, you know, they're, they're you know, they get mad, but they don't get that mad. But right. I had death threats. I had a lot of hate mail. Um, 
you know, John got it on the on the football field as well. And I did have an opportunity to go, Jock. Um, Abby Hoffman, who was the CEO of Sport Canada at that time, phoned me in mid-June and said, the Russian Organizing Committee has invited you to the Games. Mm. I go, what? She said, yeah. And because um, it was important for them to have some athletes there, right. you know. Um, and so I said, oh, I'll have to get back to you. But I, I had to turn it down. It was really um, not a great, not a great time. Oh, well, could you could you imagine the back? Could you imagine the backlash if you if you would have gone? You know, considering. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I would have got out no? of the country alive. Yeah, really, no. But it was a really interesting time in Canada, as you say. Canadians usually don't get that riled, but um, and so you know, I had I had to turn it down and. You know, five years later, I was thinking, uh, God, I wish I would have had the courage to go. I believe it would have been the first time. And I don't think I would have been the only athlete invited. I think there were obviously others. And mm-hmm. it would have been the first time in the history of the Olympics, I believe, that athletes would have been there, you know, without a country, uh, without a flag type of thing. But um, I have regrets about not having the courage at that time to just go and do it, but I didn't because um, it was a real uh, hot situation in Canada. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, after the uh, Games, I beat the three Russian medalists, and um, of course they were off their drugs at the time. They, <laughs> they didn't look that good, um, but you know, and we don't really know what their performances were like. If they were really true performances, we have no idea. They were pretty close mm-hmm. games, right? right. So. Um, yeah, but I still stand firm. I believe it was very wrong. Uh, Jimmy Carter, I've always believed, could have made a stronger statement against Russia by not allowing that country to their games in Lake Placid in February. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he waited to announce the summer boycott after his games were finished, but I, to this day, really believe that it would have hurt Russia more by not allowing them to come to Salt um, sorry to come to uh, Lake Placid in nineteen eighty. But um Celebi, it it happened and it's part of history and um yeah, it was at the end of the day, Jock, it's not really about the hardware. Um, it's about the journey and, and your performances. And athletes know very quickly that you can do your best performance on the day, break a Canadian record, a Commonwealth record, and still not get to the podium. You know, so um, there, so you're right. There's just there's no guarantee, and, and uh, Olympic athletes learn that very quickly. So, um, y- you know, you go to those games, you just do the best that you can, and you, you know, you hope the heck you can get on the podium, type of thing. So, this is why I love talking to you because uh, you know you're so honest, you're so open. And Diane Jones Konohowski is a special guest here on Sports Talk with Jock, named to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame earlier today. Uh, speaking of today's athlete, and this is a concern. I had a great chat with Kyle Schufelt last week on this program. And, and we're talking about how we, we both believe that Alberta Health has misclassified sport, recreation, and fitness. I, I fear for our high-performance athletes right now in Canada because you've got, you've got high-performance athletes training in, in the U.S., in, in, in Belgium, in uh, China, you know, in Russia, all, all over the world. And, and our athletes aren't allowed back into their facilities yet. I, I'm just curious, your perspective on this. Do, do you agree with Kyle? Do you, you know, not only is, is it great for our recreational kids to get back into the gym because I think that's important for their mental health health but boy our athletes are going to be so far behind and 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 i do believe a lot of sport organizations right now have a returned to play policy that is very mm-hmm. safe and can follow the guidelines so where does diane jones uh, stand in on this one well i you know i saw a video last week i think it was bill maher and um he said this is 
we can't sanitize our world. No. You know, we, we are surrounded by flu bugs and germs and, you know, we can do the physical distancing and we can wash our hands with soap and water and, and you can, you know, you can take all the precautions that you, you want, but it's really a health issue. I mean, we have to all be healthy and we should be encouraging people to be healthy, to eat healthy, to, to build this immunity and to fight this virus. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. I'm no expert on this, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, this is a health issue and we need people to get back to being active. And, you know, you, Kyle, I, I feel for Carol, uh, Kyle, he's got a huge facility there, wonderful facility. And I'm sure he can make it happen in terms of, you know, allowing a certain number of athletes to come in and, and do their, um, you know, their practice and, and that sort of thing and, and make it right. So, um yeah, I, I, it's it's really a tough call, but um, yeah, our, our athletes for sure are losing out big time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting because we've already seen you know the 2020 Olympics uh, you know canceled for this summer. Uh, 2021 is is still not a, not a slam dunk, depending if they don't have a vaccine, because I believe the prime minister of uh, Japan said that uh, yesterday. You know, says there's still a dark cloud. Uh, do, uh-huh. do, could you see a situation? And, and and I was talking to Jacques Thibault, my my good friend, last night about this. He says he's still convinced that you could see the the summer and the winter Olympics happen in the same year, like it used to back in the back in the day. So he, he could he he actually is convinced now that the, these games will probably be held in 2022. Well, and and uh, why not? I well, mean, why not? I exactly. Anything, yeah, anything's possible, and I I would really feel badly for Japan, you know, in Tokyo <laughs> for to have them canceled and. But you hear the CEO of, of the organizing committee, he's even saying, you know, he doesn't really believe that it's going to happen next year. I mean, you've got a city of, what, 10 million. You've got all these millions of people coming. It's just not going to happen, you know. Um, and for all of us who are sitting here, we don't know what the future holds. We know it's going to be different, right? We don't know what it's going to look like. We just know it's going to be different. And, and yeah, why not? Why not uh, put it in the same year as the, the Winter Olympics? Absolutely. I I think that would be good. And that would give um, some fairness to our athletes to be able to get back into their training, right, and Mm. uh, to get back on track. It may, you know, by delaying it, Jock, two years, um, those athletes were just just at the cusp of retiring and this was going to be their last, (laughs) you know, um, chance at it. Yeah, it's going to be difficult because Mm. two years is a long time to hang on and those athletes are not there just to make another Olympic team. They want to perform at a very high level. So to hang on for even another year, another two years, it's, uh, you know, it, it makes it very difficult on the athletes. Diane, um, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time. I, I could I could chat with you for another hour here on Sports oh, Talk yeah. with Jock. But unfortunately, we do have time constraints. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Th- thanks so much for the interview. And uh, again, congratulations on being named Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, thanks, Jock. It was nice chatting with you. And hopefully we can do it again. Uh, we certainly will. Diane Jones-Konohowski, uh, she gets the call to the hall today. Uh, Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Hey, a quick shout-out to our friends at Eagle Lake Professional Landscape, our Hero of the Month for the month of May. Calgary Children's Foundation helps kids in need throughout the year with support because of heroes like Eagle Lake. What you do is you, you, you order your big yellow bag of premium garden soil from Eagle Lake knowing you're helping needy Calgary kids. The NHL, they're talking about a return to play. 
They're heading into phase two. Phase three will be training camps. Phase four will be games themselves in hub cities. We talked a little bit about this last night. Well, the Calgary Flames, led by general manager Brad Trilliving, head coach Jeff Ward, and the captain, Mark Giordano, held a Zoom conference call today. We're going to play some of the highlights of that when we come back and wrap things up on Sports Talk with Jock.